passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Let's episode of Believe in Bears. My name is George Kostopoulos, my co-host, and Luke Wilman. Thank you so much for checking this out on YouTube. Comment and questions below, and hang on for 40 seconds. Go and do an ad read, and then bring in a very special guest to talk about Eberflus, Harbaugh, and a couple other things. But today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. There might be less football, only five shares represented in the year, but there's still way more stuff to bet on at BetOnline.ag. Our prices actually outpaced the S&P for all the sports out there right now. It is the number one spot for all things in 2021. Fox 32 Chicago's very young Corey Wooten. What's up, Corey? Hold on, man. Dealing with some snow out here. You know, you're in LA. You know, everything's all warm and sunny. You know, uh, I, I hate you right now. I'll just tell you whoa, that. whoa, whoa! <laughs> Santa Ana wins, my man. Uh, no, I'm. I'm not gonna pretend. I'm not gonna pretend I got it on equal footing with you guys at all. And let's bring on our very special guest, who is also braving the blizzard today. So happy to have him back on the program. He's the host of Mully and Ha and 670 The Score mornings all week long. David Haw, David, welcome back to the pod. How are you today? Uh, doing well, although by now, by this time of the day, after dealing with that snow, it feels like this morning's show was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in particular, you had a fantastic list of guests on your show today. So if you don't mind, I want to kind of kick it off. You guys had Bill Polian. The Oz, the man behind the curtain of supposedly this whole process of bringing in Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles, which we do want to talk about. But I do want to ask you, uh, about 10 minutes into your interview, you guys did try and ask him a little bit about Jim Harbaugh. And just like McCaskey in the press conference, I think there was a, an emotional reaction of, you know, they don't want to talk about it, but they really don't want to talk about it. He seems to be on the doorstep of maybe being hired by the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see what happens there. But just your perspective on the Harbaugh situation, what you think did and didn't happen, and maybe just your reaction to Bill Polian's reaction on your show this morning. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to talk to both of you guys. Um, and, and look, uh, Bill Polian is a Hall of Fame executive, so we were privileged to have him on our show. And it's been my contention since the beginning of this process that just our job as a radio host is to share our opinion. And my opinion was that Jim Harbaugh was the most qualified head coaching candidate the Bears could pursue at the beginning of this process. And I maintain that throughout. And whether or not I that meant Jim Harbaugh was interested or not, it really, I wasn't sure. You heard varying degrees of commitment or he was waffling here or there. So fast forward to the end of the process, they arrived at 
Matt Eberflus as the coach and, you know, Ryan Poles as the general manager in tandem. And, and they didn't really pursue Jim Harbaugh. And then I thought, okay, Jim Harbaugh staying at Michigan. I understand that. I think it might be a better job. Uh, that's a good debate at least. And then today we're learning about his interest or the Vikings interest in Jim Harbaugh, which I totally understand because of um, the new general manager worked for him or worked with him in San Francisco. And so in that context, I felt like, you know, I needed to at least address that possibility with Bill Polian after he referenced how wide and deep this coaching search was. It wasn't meant to be disrespectful. You know, it wasn't meant to be challenging his authority. And it certainly wasn't meant to be a gotcha moment. But I think we all understand that once you finish your coaching search, guys want to move, focus on the people that they picked, not the ones that they didn't. Um, that would have been his preference. And we respected that. But I thought that, you know, given, given our role in, in making Jim Harbaugh a relevant topic and given my opinion and our opinion as a show, that he would have been a great uh, choice felt compelled to ask him. Uh, he didn't really want to go there and we respected that as well, but um, it was a professional exchange. And, and I still think that if the Vikings go ahead and hire Jim Harbaugh, they will have hired the most qualified head coaching candidate in this cycle. Joey, I, I said the same thing. We were first talking about possible head coach candidate. I said, Jim Harbaugh. I saw the similarities in, in what he did in San Francisco with a guy like Colin Kaepernick and what he could do for Justin Fields and playing them. We played against Colin Kaepernick in his first game. You remember that game on Monday yeah, Night Football. Yeah, you got Kaepernick. Yes, <laughs> yes. We got Kaepernick, we got Frank Gord, we got Vernon Davis, we got Alden Smith, everything. I, that was the hardest offense to play against. We knew what they were going to do every play. They were going to run the football, run the football, work the play action. And it was just such a hard offense to defend. And I thought, man, what could Jim Harbaugh do with a guy like Justin Fields, right? And and a running back like David Montgomery. I, I thought it was a perfect match made in heaven. I said, yes, give, give me that, please. Because you understand the value a coach and a quarterback working in tandem with when you have a dual threat at quarterback and you have an emphasis on the offensive line. And frankly, a coach that instills a toughness in the offense. That 49er offense that you remember um, that night in San Francisco and certainly that season was a tough, tough offense that was had its share of finesse, but it was built around force. I envisioned that in Chicago being a perfect fit and I liked it because of Justin Fields presence. Now look that really, and here's the hard part is that, you know, I really do respect what Matt Eberflus brings to the table as a head coach. I like a lot about, you know, I'm a football guy. I like, I don't mind those, acronyms and those slogans. I don't know if it works with professional athletes, but I get into that. But that's a separate issue. My issue was always with Harbaugh independent of anyone else. My issue was with the process, not who they chose overall once they got Eberflus. And I think that's confusing for people and that's okay. But yeah, Corey, you know, Jim yep. Harbaugh is a football coach who is going to get the most out of his roster. And if you don't believe it, look at the Super Bowl team that, you know, he won the NFC, and that, to me, speaks highly of what he's able to do. Exactly. And, and so what, what are your initial thoughts on Eberflus? Because for me, I thought, okay, at first, me and Joey talked about it. I didn't think it was, in my opinion, my first choice. But, I, but then I thought about it, and I'm like, okay, we're getting back to the basics when the Bears were pretty good, right? When Lovey Smith era, when defense was the fundamental, the monsters of the midway, right? The only thing we couldn't do 
was build the offense the way we needed to. So I thought, okay, let's get back to this, right? We got a young quarterback. Let's hire Eberflus. Let's get this defense. He's all about discipline, attention to detail, you know, kind of like that Rod Marinelli, Lovey Smith type. We'll get that defense in order. That'll be the backbone of the team. And what's going to be crucial is him hiring the right offensive coordinator. That's the key, right? Somebody that's going to script for success. And we don't need Justin Fields to light it up, but we need him to, to be able to manage the game run the football well, and then open up that passing package as he gets more comfortable. So I, I kind of understand that. Um, but what are, what are your thoughts about Luke Getze, you know, uh, as far as coordinator? Calculated risk. You know, you're asking people to do jobs for the first time again through the organization. You know that is the, almost a Bears tradition. And, Joey, you asked me about the Bill Polian interview. The last thing I'd add about that is what Corey alluded to. He said something this morning that should resonate with Bears fans. This is going back to the future. This mm -hmm. is, to me, feels like 18 years ago when Lovey Smith got in front of the audience at Hallis Hall and I was sitting there and wondering about this folksy guy who has this corny approach to we're going to run, 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 and everybody's going to be putting on track shoes and losing weight and, and, you know, frankly, running the cover two and talking about takeaways. At the time in Chicago, I don't remember Lovey Smith really – connecting with the fan base. And one thing he said that day, 18 years ago was we're going to beat the Packers. And everybody remembered that Matt Eberflus wasn't quite as bold as saying something like that, but certainly the rhetoric sounded familiar. So getting to your question, Corey, I think what you see in Luke Getze is a compliment to what Matt Eberflus brings as a head coach. If this is going to be an organization that may be predicated on its defense, on its takeaways, field position football, a toughness that's been missing, frankly. The Bears have done my opinion. And I think now you got a head coach that's going to instill that discipline and that toughness. And the offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, who is young doing this for the first time, will be tasked with making them a complimentary offense. That doesn't really fly with a lot of people in Chicago because they want it to be like the Chiefs and they want it to be like today's modern NFL and the Chargers and the Rams. But you know what? You're in Chicago – and you have to have an identity, and they haven't had one. So what this Bears identity, I think, now begins to look like is you have a running game that the emphasis is going to be on the offensive line. We heard that from Ryan Poles. You've got a quarterback who is dynamic with a ceiling that is as high as any quarterback who's ever played in Chicago. And you've got a running back in David Montgomery who can be really, I mean, a top five production running back when you talk about yards after the catch in the passing game and then yards from line of scrimmage, he's going to be dynamic. And then you build around that. You get some playmakers in the free agency, and you have an offense in Luke Getze, who is in concert with your head coach. Because you know what? He's be, not beholden to the head coach, but he's going to be less likely to challenge him. He's not going to be Mike Martz, if Corey remember. He's not going to be a guy that stands up and says, <laughs> you got to run my offense. you got to run my plays. i got this great collection of plays. He's going to be like, okay, I want to succeed. I want this team to succeed. You're the head coach. How can I make your defense better? How can I get the most out of this talent in this roster? And I think that's why Luke Getze in the context of everybody else who's been hired makes a lot of sense. You're bringing up such great points, David. And, you know, to paraphrase maybe the headline from your article that you uh, published on odyssey.com, uh, they'll have to forgive us if we hold our applause for right now, right? Because we're listening, but I think after the last couple of regimes, we're, we're skeptical. And it just makes me think of an analogy really quick of what you're bringing up is, is it like kind of fair to say that, you know, look, I'm in my, I'm in my late thirties guys. And you're like, hold on a second. That's pretty young. Right. But look, 
David, it's coming for me, right? My body is already trying to push the limits of whether we want to be soft or whether we want to be healthy in life. And maybe the the concept is, is Ryan Poles maybe the lean protein and Eberflus the broccoli that Bears fans have kind of needed and this organization has wanted for a while? We've had the ice cream offensive guru. We've had the calorie fillings. Maybe even we fantasized about the Harbaugh cheeseburger. But is the fact that maybe that's what I got out of the press conferences – Maybe these guys are boring, and that's okay, and maybe that's what this organization needs and allow the wild plays to go to Khalil Mack and Justin Fields and maybe not in the coaching hires. Well, well let me try to simplify it because it's obviously you haven't had lunch yet because you're hungry. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I, think what you're, I think what you're trying to say and what I'm trying to say is that what I sense is more substance than style. And yes. And you're going to be – you know, you want people to win the press conference. You want to sit there, Corey. I'm sure if you're a player, you want to be inspired by something. But at the same time, what you want is substance over style. You want somebody that is not only going to talk a good game and, and win, you know, the first uh, wave of, of headlines in the first news cycle. You want him to be able to be consistent. And so in the second day of your, your off-season training regimen or your first OTA, your last OTA or training camp, or on Sunday against the Packers, same guy, same approach, same, same, same dynamic with the players and his coaches and his assistants. And so I felt, I felt like, yeah, you know, I, I'll hold my applause because I think it's a results oriented business and I don't want to get too carried away because yeah. I've learned a lesson, but this is a substance over style regime. And that's not always bad because I almost, I think anybody and Corey, having played for, for the Bears organization and, and knowing Chicago well, I think that is always the preference in a city like Chicago for a franchise like the Bears. Yeah, no, no I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I just think, uh, you know, like you said, a lot of people want this crazy hire that's going to be this offensive guru and all this. But you look at what the Bears really struggled with, you know, the past few years is discipline. Right. And we're going to get back to that disciplined ball club. And it's, it's just like when Lovey Smith was there. Right. Just continue, continue working, continue gap discipline, this, that and the other. And that's the reason why we're able to have the defenses in the top five every year. And then when Lovey Smith and the regime left a year later. Right. Same same uh, players, with the exception of Brian Urlacher running the same defense. And we went from top five to I think 31st or 32nd in total defense. I think that's, a, that's telling. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And and I don't know if you remember that, that Packers game in 2013 when we had a chance to make the playoffs, right? Remember when that ball was on the ground and we did not Everybody pick that up. watched it, Corey. Yes. Everybody watched the ball. Yes, and that would have never happened. And you know this, under, under Lovey Smith and Rob Marinelli, that would have never happened because we worked that all the time in practice. Every ball that was on the ground, you scoop and score and took it the other way. And it was just something we had to get back to discipline. And that's something that we didn't do. And that's something that the Bears team now wasn't doing this past year. Corey, why did you have to go and ruin Chris Conti's day? He might be watching. <laughs> um, I, look, but I do remember that. And I think we all remember it. But, but here's what I want to ask you, because it's interesting. And, and you bring up some really good points and parallels. But so I was asked this this week on, on the show. And, and I don't know if I... You know, I, I didn't spend time with the Bears organization, but I have an opinion here. That effort that Eberflus talked about and always being the guy, and he's all the acronyms and he's all the slogans, and it's going to be an effort-driven approach. I think that works with defense because defense is about attitude, mentality. I'll meet you at the ball in a bad mood, right? You want that kind of mindset. How does that translate with offense where effort isn't always 
just enough. It's got to be expertise. It's got to be precision. Is it reflected in the discipline of doing assignment football and not making dumb penalties? Or how does effort translate into an improved offensive approach and execution? Yeah, I think I think it translates to the discipline. And you look at the Bears team this past year, a lot of false starts, a lot of holding penalties, not being on the same page, Justin Fields in the center. So I think we're going to see a lot more disciplined offensive team. And I think that's what it starts with. Obviously, we have to address some issues with the O-line, left tackle in particular, the Tevin Jenkins situation, whether we move him completely to the right side and go after a left tackle or he's going to be our left tackle. We have to make that decision. I think he belongs on the right. You know, I think he's a road grader. I think that'll be a better option and then potentially draft somebody or get a, get somebody a free agency. But I think it, it strictly is discipline. And, and that's what really killed this team. Because you look at San Francisco, we played them at the same point in the season. We were both at the same point, right? We could go up or down. They went up, we went down. And they were a lot more disciplined ball club going forward. And how did, how did they go on that winning streak, right? They, they played great defense. They were disciplined. They ran the football and didn't turn over the football when it mattered. So that's why we saw that transformation and we saw a much more disciplined ball club from the 49ers than you did from the bears. Yeah. How many third and 15 second and 21s <laughs> did we have positive play by Justin Fields? Hold on. Let's bring it back. Cause there's a flag on the field that happened consistently throughout last year and hopefully they can clean it up. Yeah, please. And your, your, your analogy to the 49ers is interesting too, because I, I think that even with Luke Getzey and we don't know what he is going to bring yet, but you look at the way the 49ers looked at their their roster and their approach under Kyle Shanahan, and what did they do? They went up and they got Trey Lance in the same draft where the Bears got Justin Fields. Now, Trey Lance was not ready to play this year. Jimmy Garoppolo did a serviceable job. But in that offense, with that approach, I think that there is a belief among some people, well, you know, if your defense and running game is your emphasis, how can you ever have a dynamic quarterback because the NFL is all about the quarterback? Look at the 49ers. I mean, they're a very successful program under John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. They believe that with a dynamic quarterback, you can play complementary football with a defense-first approach because you protect the quarterback, you give him a pocket, a clean pocket, you give him a running game to make his play-action passing game better, you make him more accurate, you make him more efficient, and you doesn't you don't have to have a game manager per se. You can have a guy like Fields, a guy like Lance, be in that quarterback position and still be dynamic enough to make an impact. And David, look, look at look at the Giants. I always bring up this example with Eli, right? 07 and 11, right? Their offense was not pretty at all. Eli did enough in games to make it happen. He made plays when he needed to, but they relied on that pass rush in particular, especially that defense. They were the Tom Brady and Patriot killers based off that defensive line. And that's why I'm thinking more and more about Iberflus and getting back to defensive football, being fundamentally sound, being assignment sound. And then you look at the pass rushers, you know, Khalil Mack back next year, uh, Robert Quinn coming off one of his best years. Hopefully, maybe if we could work out something with Akeem Hicks, having him back on a, you know, two-year deal, possibly with front heavy on the one-year deal, because I feel like he's a difference maker. But if we could get back to that type of football, that's how you build championships, in my opinion. Obviously, it's great to have an offense, but I think the defense wins championships in this league. Quick question for Corey. You mentioned Akeem Hicks. They're going to the 4-3. I know he's not, not might not be the ideal 4-3 interior defensive tackle, but how would you see him if he were to come back on a short-term contract fitting into that scheme? 
Yeah, I would love to see him as a three technique. Obviously, it need him trim up a little bit, you know, because he's used to a, a more three four style. But I think he has explosive quickness, right? It's it's going to be all about that wind factor in in a four three. But I think if he could trim down a little bit, I think that'd be a great scheme for him getting older in his career to be able to you know elongate his career losing some weight. And I think that would be a great thing for for the Bears if we get him back. What staff member do you think will be nominated to tell Akeem Hicks he needs to lose some weight? <laughs> you they'll know, send a, a group of 20 to a group of 20 people down there and the first 10 kind of get whacked hey. into the wall and then <laughs> not me hey i'm I'm hoping uh robert quinn and Khalil max say, hey man come on man like let's let's just let's just trim up a little bit so, you know you know what hey, you're gonna be you're, a lot faster right, because <laughs> you, you, to, seriously uh, you know Corey, you you look at with a 4-3 defense and it's not going to be that big of an adjustment i believe for mac or quinn to go back to what they have done well exactly in the, if they have three of the four guys inside are those three guys on your defensive front, all of a sudden you're not in rebuild mode. You're in retool mode. And depending on how dynamic your offense could be, you know, it, it, it is possible people can stay healthy. Well, and every single year all we talk about is passing yards and touchdowns and the offense in the NFL. And then we get down to these final two games of the year. What is the one thing that keeps coming up over and over again? We'll look at their front four. Their front four gives gives so-and-so quarterback a problem. They can shut them down. And it really it's one of those X factors that maybe isn't, you know, doesn't bring up the the shiniest, the shiniest conversations in the world, but it's still there every single year. And it's so important and so integral. And we talk about it all the time on the show. And Corey knows that, you know, you get to the quarterback with your front four, you all of a sudden you make your cornerbacks that much more confident and that mm-hmm. much better and more consistent because they're not on an island having to cover because you can't get to anybody with the blitz. Or maybe you have to put him in man coverage just to kind of free up a blitzer. You don't have to do that. And and then frankly, the cover two scheme, in theory, I know things have changed since, you know, over and evolved over the years. But in theory, that is not a real blitz first, blitz heavy approach or attack. And I don't think the Bears are going to be that way with Eberflus. I think it's going to be different in terms of going back to being a little bit more zone oriented. And if you look at the Bears' pass rush this year as a whole, the numbers look pretty good. You know, you, you look at the the pressures, but when it mattered, right on those on those third and medium and long situations, they struggled to get that pressure. First and second down pressure was great, and that's always great. But you need to get pressure consistently on the money downs, those third downs, and they kind of struggle with that all year. We got just a couple more minutes here with David Hall. So happy to have generous to have him on our show right now. My final one for you, David, I just wanted to ask you this um, because I feel like you've been on this a little bit. You've talked about it briefly, but let's just go back on the timeline just here real quick. Bears fans say the Bears need a president of football operations. We get a rumor about two or three months ago that Trace Armstrong is or maybe not talking to the organization. He says he comes out. He says, I'm not getting hired by the Bears. Don't worry about it. Cut forward a couple months later. A lot of clients are now filing in of Trace Armstrong into Hallis Hall. Now, I just want to get your perspective on what you think the role he might have been able to play in this past hiring process and what role he can have in the future because whether he's got the name on a plaque inside the office, it looks like he is trying to help out the Bears. And maybe Bears fans need to realize that they are, they are outsourcing maybe a little bit more um, productively, more efficiently than they have in previous years, and they maybe deserve a little credit. Well, I think that Corey could probably speak to this better than I could because he's been in behind those scenes and he's seen the, the powers that agents have in terms of player movement, in terms of coaches and how these, everything comes together. And I sort of 
look, it, it, uh, I, and, and I stand by it because it was kind of it was funny to refer to him this way. I, I referred to Pace Armstrong the other day as the de facto president of football operations yeah. for the Bears because it looks like he has he has arranged things in a way that that reflects his influence and certainly speaks to his power in the industry. Now, I don't think he would take that job because it would be a tremendous pay cut. You know, this right, is, but he can do right? both, though, right, David? He can do both. He can do both because yeah. what it does is that why would he want to do both? And I'll try to be brief here. I think it speaks to as much to, number one, his ability to – he is very good at his job, but it also speaks to the, the Bears' trust in somebody they have known since they drafted him and since they, he played for them. And I think that they've kept the relationship over the years. So I do think his judgment is valued and his opinion matters more than maybe your run-of-the-mill typical power agent or super agent. So when he has a client in Ryan Poles, frankly, he had Matt Nagy too, but when he has Ryan Poles and he, you know, tells Ryan Poles about the Bears and tells the Bears about Ryan Poles, both of those guys listen and it resonate because he has this commonality. And then when Ryan Poles gets the job, all of a sudden, hey, you know, Ryan, this Matt Eberflus guy, maybe they already know each other because they're both Trace Armstrong clients. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Luke gets his mind too. You guys are all great, great together. Remember the barbecue we had last summer? I'm being facetious there, but that familiarity doesn't breed content. Or, you know, you have, you have a, a, a comfort level and it's all about trust and it's all about comfortability. And I think that at the minimum, Trace Armstrong's inclusion and role in this it speaks to the comfortability the men should have working with each other. And that's not a bad thing, even though, you know, <laughs> he's still just the agent yeah. informally. I think he might be more than that. Do you, do you think sometimes people view that as a conflict of interest, you know, from the outside looking in some of the fans, people are like, well, you know, his, his role with Matt Nagy and all these other people, it kind of, you know, is, is a conflict of interest. Do you feel like I that's think a it's fair to wonder that? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Corey, look, he, you know, we don't know when did when did uh, when did Trace Armstrong know that Matt Nagy was in trouble? When did Trace Armstrong know that Matt Nagy was fired? And when did he start to position, or that even Ryan Pace was was uh, in trouble because of what he knew about Matt Nagy? And then, yeah. then when did he start to position his guy to be you know at the front of the list or the top of the mind for the yeah. Bears personnel hiring a general manager, hiring the next coach? Yeah. So I think that it's fair. To point these things out it's not criticism it's trying to connect the dots because we are not privy to how the process is played out and the bears aren't known for their transparency uh that's not exactly, <laughs> exactly. and I, I guess we'll see how this all shakes out and that, that'll be very telling because if this all works out for the best then going forward they're going to lean on him for for pretty much every decision going forward. If this Ryan Day, <laughs> right? Corey's boy Ryan Day, uh, David Hall. We have to let you go. Thank you so much for being so wonderful with your time, uh, Molly and Hall. Getting you on your morning drive in Chicago weekdays on six seventy. The score. You could also read David's fantastic writing on Odyssey.com, covering the Bears in the off season. Uh, David, if you don't mind, just throw out your socials real quick. Thank you so much for joining. Believe in Bears. Uh, happy New Year. Be well, and thanks again for joining. Yeah, I'm at Twitter at David Haw, D-A-V-I-D-H-A-U-G-H, and you can reach me there. And uh, you can always reach me uh, at the score and text me. I love hearing from the texters, love hearing from the audience. And it's great to talk to Corey again because uh, he is the answer to my favorite trivia question about Brett. <laughs> Sack, when you think about who's the guy, the last guy that sacked Tom Brady. I don't know.
that is, but I know who the last guy to sack Brett Favre was. Right? <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people know that. Thanks, thanks for coming on, Davis. Right, it's been a minute. Great to talk to you, man. Let's take a quick break to talk about our brand new sponsor, Masterworks. Now, look, what I'm about to say might shock you, but the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a goat on the field, but he's a goat when it comes to investing, too. He invests in stocks, crypto, and even art. Now, you can invest like the goat with Masterworks. Masterworks is the investing platform that lets you buy shares representing an investment in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. Art prices actually outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% from 1992 to 2021. In fact, early investors already received over 50%. IRR in 2020 and 2021 from the sale of just two paintings. This is your opportunity to join 300,000 other members and invest like the GOAT. Plus, you can get priority access with our game day promo. So go to masterworks.art slash believe. B-L-E-A-V. That's masterworks.art slash believe. See important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. Masterworks. Check it out. Masterworks, a great promo and a fantastic sponsor. Now, back to the pod. Coming back on Belief in Bears with my former, with my co-host, former Bears defensive end, Corey Wooten. We were just on with 670 The Scores, David Haw. Really cool conversation, Corey. I uh, just wanted to get that in there about Trace Armstrong, right? Where yeah. you kind of start to see, as, he, as David mentioned, some of the dots that are being connected a little bit. I know I've said on this pod before that if you are talking to a guy like Trace Armstrong, Trace Armstrong probably will be like, hey, don't fire my client Matt Nagy in the middle of a season. Let him finish out the year. Just keep, you know what I mean? Do right by my client, and I'll help you with these other clients. Um, yeah, man, really, really cool talk. And uh, yeah, man, I want to get your thoughts just real quick on, you know, what, what, go a little bit further, just real quick on the Harbaugh stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It just sort of seems like that it was a conversation that was very brief and short with the Bears. It didn't really go anywhere, and they are. I'm just gonna say it. It seems like the Bears, McCaskey and Polian are very, very emotional about talking about it because it didn't seem like it went very well. Yeah, I, I think I think it's uh, something like Jim Harbaugh's made it be known, right? He wanted kind of like a for sure thing, right? He wanted a team that was actively he's he's their number one, he's going to be their guy, and the Bears were kind of like, hey, we'll wait and see. So I think he wanted something like, hey, if I'm going to leave Michigan, I want the for sure thing, and mm-hmm. that's what it's looking like with the Vikings. But you know, in my opinion, I thought he would have been a great fit for for Chicago. You know, I I, I like the Eberflus uh, pick, but I. Jim Harbaugh would have been my number one just because of what he did in San Francisco. And everyone says, well, you know, after a while, people got fed up with him, this, that, and the other. And I think over time, people realized, and I think he realized, I got to do things differently in the NFL than I maybe did in college, right? You're going to wear your welcome out. You know, you look at a guy, um, you, you know, like him that started out really, really hot with San Francisco. And then as time went on, you know, he kind of wore his welcome out. The locker room wasn't around him. And I think he's learned from that. But I just thought with Justin Fields being that mobile quarterback, we have a great running back in, in David Montgomery. In addition, Khalil Herbert as well. You know, you look at the tight end position as well. Um, you know, I just thought it would have been a great fit. Uh, you know, we got Darnell Mooney as well. You know, a run-heavy first team that gets Justin Fields on the move. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh has been great with quarterbacks in the past. And look, when he left, what happened to Colin Kaepernick's career? You know, I know there were some other things that went on and this, that, and the other, but I think he was instrumental in Colin Kaepernick's progress in the league. And I think he could have been great for Justin Fields. It's one of those trivia sports bar, uh, would you rathers? Uh, would you rather yeah. have four years of Jim Harbaugh and have an 80% chance of getting one Super Bowl in that four years? Would you rather have 12 years of Ryan Poles? make the playoffs eight years 
but only have a 40% chance of winning a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, there's two very, very different paths the Bears yeah. chose. They chose, obviously, the longer view, right, of hoping yeah. that they can build something with stability for the long term. Because I don't, I don't think me and you are in disagreement that mm -hmm. Jim Harbaugh wouldn't be a coach for 10 years in yeah. one spot, right? Maybe yeah. four, five, six, or something along those lines. Exactly. And now he could possibly be going to the Minnesota Vikings. Um which will be very interesting in the NFC North for the years to come, especially with a Vic Fangio defense. Dalvin Cook. Uh, Dalvin Cook. Yeah, Justin Jefferson. Yeah. You think they run it back with Kirk Cousins at least for one more year oh, and yeah. see see what happens. On the Bears side of things, we do have some news. Uh, they hired uh, Alan Williams as their next defensive coordinator. Um, he was uh, part of the Indianapolis Colts staff last year. Uh, what do you know about him? Uh, what's your take? Yeah. What's your perspective on him? Obviously, there's a lot to learn about him because this news yeah. is uh, very fresh. So he was a former coordinator for the Vikings as well, 2012 and 2013. So I played against him, you know, uh, when I was on the Bears, you know, some of his defense, you know, Jared Allen and company, Brian Robeson, Everson Griffin, some of those guys, Kevin Williams as well. Mm -hmm. um, so they had some really good defenses there. Um, I like it. You know, I think I think um, obviously he hasn't had too like a lot of experience calling the calling the plays. Mm -hmm. But I think if a guy like Ibraflus feels very comfortable with him, you know, and he's going to be calling, they're going to work hand in hand, you know, it's probably going to be mostly Eberflus's defense and, and Williams has the title. Like we see with a lot of these, like Andy Reed, you know, he's the head coach and Eric Bieniemy is the coordinator, but this Andy Reed show. So I think that's yeah, real quick. Yeah. Corey, like Corey, like third quarter tie game, it's third and eight. Yeah. Eberflus can punch in and dial up a blitz oh, if yeah. he wants to, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, like, like that, they're working yeah. hand in hand. Like just when, when I played for the bears, lovey Smith, was the head coach, right? Rod Marinelli was the coordinator. He he had a great deal in say, and he was calling the plays, but I know him and, him and Lovey were hand in hand, you know, going over the things, the checks, talking to each other during the game. So it was like, yes, he calls the plays, and he, but Lovey had input as well, and I think that's going to be the same situation. Um, Corey, I just want to get your take really quick on the Brian Flores situation. Uh, mm -hmm. We've talked about Brian Flores a lot on this pod recently, more because we were – Interested in him becoming the next head coach of the Chicago Bears. Um, it didn't happen, but, you know, just try and catch people up as quick as they can. I encourage them to read the story because I am paraphrasing very much about what is going on. He has filed a civil lawsuit against the NFL. Uh, he's accusing several organizations, the Broncos, the Giants specifically, of um, of racial bias, really. I mean, honestly, and not really – and kind of treating this Rooney rule that was in place for a very, very, very – very impactful and great reason uh, they're treating it, you know, kind of like you're just checking a box, um, yeah. kind of skirting around it a little bit. And there's a lot of stories that are out there from Bill Belichick accidentally texting him saying, congratulations, you got the Giants job, which, Corey, you thought that he was going to get. But clearly it looked like he never even had a chance, exactly. never even had a chance at the job, yeah. man. So yeah. and we talked a lot about this pod. You know, I, I'll be honest with you, this Dolphins stuff, the more that you're reading about Stephen Ross and the Dolphins. When I first heard all this stuff about Brian Flores, it looked like. You could be a jerk, right? But, like, there's more to that story. Like, I, my yeah. BS meter went off big time about a bunch yeah. of different stuff that came out regarding that. So, man, I don't know, man. I'll open up the floor to you for however yeah. you want to attack this. What's your perspective on what's going on with Brian Flores? You know, I, th I think we need to, to hear more about this, right? Because what we've seen so far is the text, supposed text message between him and Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick congratulating him, you know, saying, hey, you're getting the job. And then said, oh, I, I messed up about it. Sorry. Um, you know, when Dable got hired. So and Flores I, hadn't I, even interviewed yet. Yeah, for the exactly. audience. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think we need just more information before we can fully comment on anything. You know, obviously, he's accusing them of racial bias. I mean, it, it could potentially be there. 
but I just don't want to jump the gun on anything before we find all the facts and information, you know, um, it, it wouldn't surprise me to be honest with you, but we, we need to see all the information before we could fully comment on something that we, we all don't know, right. Everyone out there. Um, so I think more will be breaking as, as time goes on and, and we'll see, you know, what, what, what comes of this. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be something that we are going to be talking about for months now and hopefully it has lasting impact on the nfl no matter what the result is and a lot of wheels in motion right now you see jim harbaugh possibly going to the vikings you heard he was rumored to the dolphins but now if we're starting to realize this stuff sort of leaks out a little bit more about stephen ross and the dolphin situation over there that might have been you know that might have been dead in the water before it even started with harbaugh you know what i mean like they're just off the table i can't go over there when you're dealing with that sort of thing and yeah, no, it's a shame. And look, I, I guess my only other question for you or, or, or would like your reaction on is a lot of people's sentiment is that he is risking never coaching in the NFL again. Yeah. And I just want to get your take on that, man, because I think that's completely ridiculous. Um, I, I Not for someone to say that, but for someone to assert that he would never, ever coach in the NFL again just because he threw a class action lawsuit at a couple of teams that clearly weren't yeah obeying the rules it's the organization's problem not brian flores's problem it doesn't take away his talent or his coach or him as a man i mean do you think as of right now uh, are you buying that that he's really he's literally risking his future employment in the nfl because i find that to be just as ridiculous as some of the other things that are being said i think i think in a way he is um you know sometimes when you go against the grain and and things that that may have happened you you try to argue against uh sometimes you get blackballed for it you know you look at a guy like Colin Kaepernick and, you know, everybody, you know, there's so many different views on this. People say, well, he wasn't good enough. He's trash. He's this, that, and the other, but he should have been still been playing in the league. You know, yes. there's, there's no if, ands, or buts about that. He was, he was better in my opinion than a guy, uh, Blaine Gabbert that played in his place. You, you can't, you can't tell me anything about that. So, you know, I think people felt a certain way because he went against the grain. He kneeled during the anthem and it was what it was. And people felt a certain way. So then they say, oh, he's trash. He's not good anymore. That's why he's not playing. That's why he's not this. And it got to a situation where people just didn't want a distraction. And and I I feel like that was the biggest thing. He was standing up for what he thought was right. People thought it was distraction. So then that way he he got out of the league. And I think with Flores, it's it's a similar situation. I don't know if he's going to get blackballed like that. Yeah, we can't repeat. Something you believe in. Yeah, we can't repeat this, man. If we're calling BS on Kaepernick, man, like for people to go out there and be like, well, he he may never coach the NFL again. I'm calling BS on that right now. He absolutely should. I'm not saying he needs to be a head coach because yeah. you have to make a decision for your organization. But the fact that the dude can't be a DC or some sort of coach in the NFL again yeah. is, is is ridiculous. And if that happens again, that's yeah. just as big of a problem as what's happening oh, now. It, it's a disservice, but I could see that happen. Uh, yeah. Not not coaching in the NFL, but not being a head coach. I could see that just because mm-hmm. he's going against the grain. They heard that him and him and the Ross family, you know, had disagreements and this, that, and the other in Miami and. I think people hate sometimes, you know, certain organizations, owners, GMs, they hate when the head coach will voice his opinion, right? It's got to be my way or the highway. I'm, I'm the highest up. You have to listen to what I say. If I want Tua to play, you play him. If I want him to play, you play him. I think that's what we saw, you know, and Brian, Brian Flores is a, is a New York dude. You know, he's going to keep it real with you. He's, he's not going to sugarcoat anything. And that's what I respect about him. I think you talk to the Miami Dolphin players, and the people that have played under him, even when he was with the Patriots, say he's one of the best coaches I ever had, right? He knows how to motivate his players. Look what he did in Miami, 10 and six the season before, nine and seven this past year on a team that had 
no quarterback situation figured out at all. He rallied the troops and they were able to have back-to-back winning seasons. So in my opinion, I, I don't know why he's fired. Well, I do know why he's fired because of that disconnect up front. But I was just hoping that he would get another tr- uh, chance. And I thought the Giants job would have been a good fit for him, in, in my opinion. You know, back home, you know, in, in, in the tri-state area, um, you know, getting back to defensive football, you know, kind of, kind of playing like they did when they won the Super Bowls with Eli. Um, you know, playing a really strong defense, having a quarterback that can make plays when you need to, but not putting too much pressure on them. So I thought that's why it would have been a great fit. Well, they didn't even they they hired someone before they even interviewed him, Corey. Exactly. And honestly, well, man, that, like that, that was figured out. Yeah. Yeah. No, when, look, when and and, and I get it. And I and I, I get it. I get it. Then like and that happens probably all the time, especially when you want the GM to have autonomy and who they want to pick. But don't make it some sort of weird dog and pony show and bring in a guy and like totally waste his time. Like I think that's another part of the issue going into it a little bit. And there's a report out there that I it's reported now. I'm not saying that it's true. We're gonna see if it's substantiated over time that Stephen Ross was offering Brian Flores a hundred thousand dollars for every loss that he picked up that first season that he was there, so because they could tank and get the highest draft pick possible. And that pissed Brian Flores off to no end. And then he felt weird about that moving forward. And he literally said, quote, uh, $100,000, go on a vacation on me as long as we lose or something along those lines. And it's just like, dude, that's like out of, out of a movie, right? Like, Yeah, yeah I, mean, I feel like at that point, you, you, sh- you shouldn't be running an organization if, if you're thinking like that. I understand maybe the last game of the season, you know, if it comes down to that and you're not playing for anything, you're like, hey, kind of, hey, let's just run the football. Let's, you know, obviously, you know, that, that could be a situation. But listen it's a football game. You have to play the game and whatever happens, happens. Like, I, I yeah. don't know what to tell you. Right. <laughs> Flores Flora, like, won six games. Flores said F that I'm going to go out. Yeah. I think he won like five, six games that year. And exactly. I mean, and that, and that's the other thing is that like, let's just, as we play this out, uh, the more that we find out about the Miami dolphins, also the more that we might need to realize and come to grips with the fact that maybe Brian Flores wasn't such a big jerk as everyone's making him out to be. And maybe he was yeah. just a tough coach and on the way out, the Dolphins try to cover their butt by saying a bunch of stuff. Oh, he can't deal with people, and he's like this and like that. Yeah. And that's a whole nother can of worms. That's slander yeah. and, and a whole nother side of the, the works. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's just in, such in a In my mess. opinion, I, I hope Miami is bad for the next five years because that's, that serves them right for, for doing – they had a good coach in, in, in a good situation, right? He was building a winning culture. The locker room really bought into him and loved him. Like, this his players vouched for him. They couldn't believe it when he got fired on Twitter. So – you know, I think <laughs> how do you, how do you ruin a franchise <laughs> that way, right? And Miami yeah. hasn't been relevant for a while, you know, in my opinion. So how are you gonna how are you gonna build, you know, a, a better franchise if you're doing things like that? Then you're gonna have top free agents not wanting to go there, you know. And then then it becomes like this Jacksonville Jaguar culture where people are like, hey, I'll get paid a lot, but you know, we're, we're not gonna be anything, and that could be that could be damning for my career and, and, and furthering my career. So, you know, you, you never want it would be a situation like that, you know? So I'm, I'm just, I'm just hoping, you know, that he, he does get a job somewhere else. I know it's not going to be a head coach at this point because everything going on, but who knows, I guess we'll, we'll see as everything kind of, kind of gets going with it. Yeah. I mean, just everything that I look back to from what I known about him from when he was hired to his work with the Miami Dolphins, I thought, dude was talented and when he got fired he shot right up to the top of my charts right I mean, we were talking about him on the show just like well so what's what's the deal here this is a really talented young dude who just completely yeah. 
turn the turn this franchise around. And so what's the problem here? Um, developing story. We're going to see what happens. Uh, Corey, before we get out of here, though, uh, let's just end up a little bit on a little bit of a lighter note. Uh, what's your take on the Super Bowl matchup, man? What did you yeah. think of last weekend's games? Um, I, I think it's going to be a great game. Yeah. Uh, two two newbies, one uh, on the way into the league, the other one maybe closer to the way out of the league. Uh, a quarterback. Uh, what's your take? Yeah. So I, I didn't see this this matchup in the Super Bowl, to be honest with you. I, I don't think anyone picked Cincinnati to make it all the way. Um, but how about Joe Burrow, man? Hats off to him coming off an ACL last year. Yeah. Kind of struggled to get things going. Um, you know, After getting his butt kicked by the Bears yeah. week uh, two or three or yeah, whatever exactly. it was. On I mean, it's a lot, yeah, it's a lot to overcome. <laughs> on three, yeah, on three know, same so, plays. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. And then just him bouncing back all season. I mean, he was really efficient. Um, how he's able to, to, to be a leader out there being so young. And he has that if factor. I, I think he's going to be a, a perennial pro bowler. I think he's going to be one of the greats in this league. And you just got to love his demeanor, you know, and, and he's talking about all the people that have been showing him the love, LeBron, Kid Cudi, all these people. And he's like, man, it's super cool to see it, you know, like see them show you love and, and you know, because they're one of my favorites. And just just seeing how humble he is about things is, is pretty cool in, in itself. Um, you know, about the matchup, though, I got, I got, I got to give this one to the Rams. I think it comes down to pass rush. That Cincinnati, front four, huh? Yeah, Cincinnati. Oh. Cincinnati is top five in, in most sacks allowed all season, right? They've struggled against pass protection. Um, you know, I know they're able to get the running game going, but I think Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, who we thought would do this in Chicago, and he had to leave and do that, uh, has been balling. And I think that's the difference, mate. Because Cincinnati has really struggled against pressure. This is basically a home game for the Rams. Um, so I, I think it comes down to that. I think both teams are going to score. I think it's going to be a tight one. I think it's going to be similar to the Rams game when they play uh, the 49ers. It's going to be a really mm -hmm. tight one. Um, mm -hmm. But but hat, hats off and, and the edge to the Rams. I think pass rushes, wins championships. And, and that's what I'm hoping Chicago get, get to with Iberflus and company. We get to back to that disciplined attacking style defense where we get after the passer. We take the pressure off the secondary that have been struggling. We run the football you know, control Justin Fields, get him going, just have him manage that football. Don't be a game manager, but just don't turn it over. Completely agree with you. I think we're going to spend the next week and a half looking at cool highlight packages of Cooper Cup and Odo Beckham and Jamar Chase and even a little bit of the quarterbacks. But I think at the end of the day, yeah, it's that front four for the Rams versus the Bengals offensive line that – Honestly, it's still giving up sacks. It's not like, you know, they had a rough regular season and they, they shorted up in the postseason. I mean, they're still letting their quarterback get hit, and I think that could be a problem. And I'm right there with you, man. I'd bet the over – I'm sorry, I'd bet the under total for first half, uh, first yep. half points. I could see I could see some wobbly first drives from our quarterbacks and maybe see whoever gets that rhythm on one of those drives to put up points. Maybe it'll get the edge a little bit more moving into that yeah. game. We'll see. The, the, only, the only way I can see Cincinnati winning this game is if they play a, a time possession type game. You run the football with Mixon. Like you know, Mixon gets take, 120, 130 yeah, yards. Exactly, and, yeah. exactly. You control the clock. You work your play action. Uh, that's, that's the only way you keep the rushers at bay. You know, they're going to need chippers. They're going to need to double Aaron Donald. So I think they're going to have a game plan for them. But, you know, I think ultimately it'd be too much. But the only way I think Cincinnati can win is if they run the football and they control that time possession, keep Matthew Stafford and that offense off the field. Yeah, another one, too, is I'm going to get the number wrong, but they had the number at one point in the game. The way that the Rams really beat the 49ers, we could talk about a lot of different moments in that game from the dropped interception to whatever. At one point, they were 10 for 15 on third down. Yeah. The Rams were. And if Joe Burrow 
can put up a number like that, let's just say it is like a 10 for 15 on a third down, that's another way to keep the ball in the Bengals' hands. And look, those little third and fives to Ozuma or Tyler Boyd, who actually had a really nice game last week, underrated, kind of have a lot of love for Tyler Boyd as a veteran slot guy. That's another way for them to keep the ball, maybe give themselves a shot in that game too as well. But I'm kind of with you. I'm leaning leaning Rams right now, but I'm kind of rooting Bengals. Yeah, yeah. And and, and I think the thing with me, right, I'm, I'm on the surface I'm saying Rams, but you look at Matthew Stafford at times this season, and some games he's been absolutely incredible, and other, other games he's, he's made horrible turnovers. You're like, what is going on here? Like mm-hmm. uncharacteristic of even what he did in Detroit. So it's kind of been up and down this year. I know he's trying to work everything and had some weapons, uh, you know, get hurt. And, and, you know, he's working with Odell now and, you know, uh, Van Jefferson's getting going again. So, um, yeah, I think I think it comes down to turn. If Stafford turns the ball over, I mean, that, that you know, and, and Cincinnati is able to, to control that clock. I think I think they can get him. This will do it for Believe in Bears. My name is Joey Christopoulos. You can follow me at Joey Sports Guy on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us for this show. And on YouTube, comment, question, whatever you want to do below. Like, subscribe to the Believe Podcast Network channel. we got a lot of great stuff coming up, and we got you covered for the Super Bowl moving forward. Uh, today's episode was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Corey, man, great episode, dude. Throw out your socials. Take us home. Yeah. On another great pod, another great guest. Special thanks again to David Haw, 670, the score for joining us. I love that guy. Love yeah. his perspectives, and I'm so happy that he came on the show. Yeah, yeah, I love talking to him. It's been a while since I talked to him. Uh, he always covered us when I played for the Bears, so awesome, awesome radio personality. Uh, it's great great to see him. Um, but, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Corey Wooten, C-O-R-E-Y-W-2-O-2-T-O-N. Another great pod. Uh, looking forward to the Super Bowl matchup, and, and we're going to get with you next week. Uh, you know, or, or the week after, you know, and, and kind of break down that game and show you what happened and, and talk more about the Bears. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be talking about some possible free agent targets, mm-hmm. um, kind of what direction we want the Bears to go and, and what we're going to be looking forward. Um, you know, the left tackle position, the wide receiver position, um, possibly Akeem Hicks reunion. Um, you know, will, will Allen Robinson be back, right? New regime, new staff. Who knows? I guess we'll see. So we're going to break that down for you. Uh, Have a blessed week. Uh, Stay safe in the snow, Joey. Stay safe in the sunny weather. (laughs) Ooh, I know. It's going to be so tough. I'm going to have to batten down the hatches out here, guys. Uh, No, but to everyone out there listening and watching in Chicago, yeah, be be well, be safe. Uh, Wear some warm clothes, double pants, whatever it is you got to do. Corey, man, great pod, dude. I'm totally on board with you about the Bears. And possibly also they will start listening to some of the things you had to say because all the stuff that you've been talking about all year long, what have they done, Corey? They got an offensive lineman for a GM. They got a defensive-minded head coach, and they're going to try and get after the quarterback and get those takeaways back. Something you've been saying all year long. All year long, man, so let's keep it rolling. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other, everyone. Thanks for checking out this episode. And da flus! Spare it out. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.